Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Five years ago, Arch City Defenders sued the city of Ferguson. The nonprofit law firm was working in tandem with St. Louis University School of Law Legal Clinics and the Campbell Law Firm. Their suit challenged fees charged by the Ferguson Municipal Court, which handles low-level citations within its borders. A settlement in that case has finally gotten preliminary approval, and joining me to talk about it today is Michael John Voss. He's the co-founder of Arch City Defenders and its Special Projects Director. Michael John, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So this is not your only lawsuit against Ferguson, but I understand it is one of your longest-running lawsuits at this point. What exactly were you challenging? So um, in December of 2014, we filed a a class action lawsuit against the city of Ferguson, alleging that they were uh, charging what we call illegal fees. Uh, So there was a warrant recall fee that they were charging defendants that were brought into its municipal court, and they were charging a failure to appear fee. Uh, And these were fees that we believe uh, and and argued in our lawsuit were not authorized under state law and went against public policy, uh, and that they were primarily used as a revenue generator for the city. And our calculations roughly figure out that it was around $424,000 a year that they were bringing in through those fees. So this added up. It did. It did. Um, quite a lot. Over the course of the, the lawsuit, um, if, you, if you think we filed it in December 2014 and there's a statute of limitations period that would bring the case going back to 2009, uh, there's roughly, we, we calculated based on our, our discovery and, and what we did in the case, that there was over $2 million brought in just from these fines and fees, these two specific ones alone. And when would these fees be assessed against a defendant? So typically if a warrant was issued for, for non-appearance in court, uh, there would be a fee to have it recalled. And that was a, typically a $50 charge that was added on. And there's a specific state statutory scheme that says what fees can be charged in municipal court, and this warrant recall fee was not one of them, not authorized by state statute. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other fee was this failure to appear. So in addition to adding the warrant recall fee under the case, if you had, say, three tickets in Ferguson and you missed a court date for whatever reason, Say you didn't notice, you didn't have notice of it, you didn't know it, it got moved, or you couldn't get there because of work or because of childcare. Uh, then immediately would be added on for those three tickets each a FTA charge of failure to appear, and those were typically about one hundred and fifty dollars each. Okay. And so you'd see the value, the, the total amount of debt you allegedly owed the town would double or triple in size. So you could have two or three tickets, but you add on these additional fees. And quickly, it goes from you know three hundred dollars that that is alleged to be owed as a fine to over a thousand. Hmm. Now you filed this lawsuit. It's it's a class action lawsuit, so it's on behalf of everyone affected. But the named plaintiff was a guy named Roliff Carter. Who is he? So Roliff is a citizen of Ferguson. Uh, he's lived there for a long time. He's um, a, a, a disabled uh, veteran. He's he was in the Air Force and honorably discharged. And uh, he was charged these failure to appear charges and the warrant recall fees for minor traffic violations that he had in the city of Ferguson. Uh, he was living on a fixed income and wasn't able to afford mo- most of these the fines that were being alleged and charged against him. And when he got these additional fees, it increased his alleged debt. And he spent time in Ferguson's jail uh, as an elderly man mm-hmm. just because he couldn't afford to pay off these, these fees. And so um, he courageously stepped forward and, and took on this lawsuit. He actually is 
became the named plaintiff in March of 2015. Uh, there was an amendment to the complaint, and he was added. Um, and so he, he um, you know, had, had suffered at the hands of Ferguson and, and continued to want to litigate this case despite the length of time it took to get to so let me just play devil's advocate here for a minute um you know these are for people who are not showing up for court dates why not just show up for court well there's a there's there's a, a volume in which people were over policed in the city of Ferguson and over ticketed um and we we talked about this in our initial white paper that we put out in 2014 but there's a a disproportional uh policing going on in in that city and in other areas and so what we saw was this use of a police force as a policing for profit force and the use of municipal courts as revenue generators not really about public safety and so this excessive amount of money that was being brought in uh, really, really hampered the citizens who lived in our region because it was money that could have been used in the community to support their lives, pay rent, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so what you had is, was aggressive policing that um, really was excessive and, and really created systemic change is failures basically and that's why you had people protesting in the streets in ferguson because they just didn't trust their police department nor did they trust their municipal court and government mm -hmm. and you filed this uh the timing of this was actually pretty soon after uh, michael brown's death and those protests in ferguson do you see this as as related this effort to try to stop these fees as related to that movement yeah, definitely. I think, you know, once once this litigation was filed, the, the city repealed the failure to appear ordinance and, and allegedly stopped charging it uh, with new cases. They also stopped the warrant recall fee. And, and there's injunctive relief in the settlement that they're not going to institute those again. So um, that that's something that's really, really uh, uh, exciting in this settlement once it gets finally approved. Um, you know, we think that the, the settlement is, is going to settle at, at roughly a full m value of of $1.6 million in potential claims. But if you add the injunctive relief to it, the, 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 the city having not charged this fee going forward, uh, we think that that's at a value of roughly like $3.3 million. So a total value of $4.1 million when you think of the injunctive relief and the damages. So that injunctive relief, that's referring to things that are going to change going forward. These, these amounts won't even be assessed to people. Um, right. Okay. Not going, and going forward and going back to, to 2014 when these, these charges were stopped. Um, now, as, we, as I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, this lawsuit did go on quite some time. And I know class action lawsuits are never easy, but what were some of the hurdles in getting to this point? Um, obviously, you know, there's always uh, uh, issues related to specific legal questions that we had to deal with. So we survived motions to dismiss based on just the, the, the pleading of the complaint. Uh, you know, we, we bring a number of state tort as well as some constitutional claims uh, in this in this lawsuit. Um, we also had to go through a change of opposing counsel during the course of the litigation. There was a disqualification of lawyers. We also had to deal with, with um, this case going through summary judgment, uh, and, and we survived that. We had to get class certification, which was granted last March in 2019. And so this is roughly now a class of 10,761 potential class members. Uh, however, th this class has to file a claim. This is requiring people go to a specific website or there's a number I can give online for people to call. Uh, class notice did go out uh, back on July 26, 2019, and notice is now out there about the ability to make a claim. Um, and there's a, basically a 45-day window. People need to make claims by May 18th. And when you say class notice went out, you believe that you've tracked down people who paid these fees? Yeah, we, we did 
you know, we did determine what the class was. We got their address information, and then we did send out class notice. It was also uh, posted in the St. Louis American, and, and again, class notice on this to make a claim is going to be posted in there on their, their pages. Uh, it's going to be, there's a website people can go to on this. It's uh, fergusonfeeclassaction.com. Um, and I think that you'll have that on your website, too, I think. Yeah, we will make sure uh, that that'll be at stlpublicradio.org. Uh, and so that website, again, that's fergusonfeeclassaction.com. If you think you're a member of this class and, and should be able to get your money back, it's basically refunding people what they paid. Correct. Correct. It's, it's, it's a refund payment of up to 80% of what people paid. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw a quote from Roliff Carter, again, who was the named plaintiff on this case. And as you say, he was a military veteran and a, a senior citizen who actually spent time in jail over some of these fees. And he said, the lawsuit is an example of the problems that went on in Ferguson. And I feel that the settlement is good because people are going through a lot nowadays. It seems like maybe getting some of these fees back could be a, a welcome source of, of just a little bit of extra money at a time when a lot of people are out of work. It's definitely true. And, and um, you know, our organization is, is aware of this, the difficulty that people that are our clients and that uh, people that are potential in this class are going through at this time period. And, and making sure that people make claims and get the money back in their hands is very important. Uh, I also direct people to another website that we have set up. It's stlcovidhub.org. Mm. And that has a list of resources and also um, advocacy efforts that are being made by many different organizations in our area for people that are being impacted by COVID or could be impacted by COVID-19. And so that's stlcovidhub.org. That is great to hear. And then just one last thing I wanted to ask you about while we have you here, and that is you also have a second major lawsuit um, against Ferguson. That one is still pending right now? Yeah, that is pending. That is a different claim. That's a debtor's prison claim. Basically, it's a it's a claim for damages for the people that actually spent time in jail. So the value of that experience and and people who spent time in jail when they shouldn't have when they had no opportunity to to argue why they they couldn't make or and pay their fines and fees and so that's that's a different class action and that's exempted from this class action settlement uh, the potential claims in that and do you expect that we'll be seeing um, some sort of preliminary settlement in that anytime soon we continue to litigate that case, and so um, we are, are are moving forward with the um, period of time where we're going to be dealing with class certification and, and, and getting through motions for summary judgment on the case. And so that's that's still pending, and we expect to continue to litigate that case. Well, Michael John Voss of Arch City Defenders, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the opportunity. And that, that website, again, is fergusonfeeclassaction.com if you feel like you're part of the group of people who paid these fees and, and should get an 80% refund on them. That's some good news. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.